Welcome to Cybercast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is staff writer researcher Anastasia Obas. Hi, Anastasia. Hey, Alex. You had the opportunity to chat with Colonel Michael Smith, director of the Functional Management Office for Zero Trust at the Army. How'd it go? It went great. The um, Army's Functional Management Office is only a couple of months old, but they have a lot on their plate. So I'm really excited. It was a great conversation. So tell me about the Functional Management Office. Since it is so new, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what it does. Yeah, the Department of Defense established the Army's Functional Management Office for Zero Trust in October of last year, which is when Colonel Michael Smith assumed his duties as the director of the office. And basically the impetus for that was that the Army wanted a centralized approach for implementing the Zero Trust framework. And, you know, think of all the applications needed to support the mission. Think of the business applications, war fighting applications. And, you know, they have an extremely complex networking and security environment that traverses many classification levels. So, yeah, they have a lot of work to do. So <laughs> I imagine being the hub of all of these efforts at the Army requires a lot of different initiatives happening at the same time. Can you tell me about what Colonel Michael Smith is doing to see Zero Trust be implemented across the Army? Yeah, there are so many efforts, and we dive into it a little bit in the episode. But at the end of the day, just like Colonel Smith put it, it's all about a unified network that is secure and that is protected by a fully implemented zero trust architecture that allows the army to perform multi-domain operations. Well, let's take a listen to your conversation now. Colonel Smith, thank you for being here. We will just jump right in. The Army just established the Functional Management Office for Zero Trust. Could you talk a little bit about what the office does and what the timeline looked like for its establishment? And also, could you talk a little bit about your career trajectory and how you ended up in this position? Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you uh, kindly for having me this morning and uh, gladly willing to uh, have a discussion about the Army's Zero Trust approach. Uh, so really, the... Uh, the establishment of the Army's Functional Management Office for Zero Trust started back in October of 2022, when Army senior leaders uh, really determined that uh, we needed a, a more centralized approach across the Army enterprise to pull together all the efforts we have ongoing uh, so that we can actually meet the DOD ZT strategy uh, for implementing uh, ZT capabilities and activities to actually get to that goal by 2027. Uh, so really, the, the purpose and the vision of the Functional Management Officer Zero Trust purpose is really just this organization will synchronize, integrate, implement, and execute Army Zero Trust efforts across the entire enterprise, and that'll ensure the prioritization, resourcing, and alignment with DOD and service Zero Trust directives, goals, and objectives. 
And at the end of at the end of the day, the vision is really just an army unified network that is secure and defended by a fully implemented zero trust architecture that enables multi-domain operations. So just a little bit about myself real quick. Uh, been in the military 32 years. Uh, I, I'm a network engineer by trade. I've been working uh, primarily on Army enterprise network modernization efforts. I've worked in a, a lot in defensive cyber operations, offensive cyber operations. So I have a pretty broad background that, that captures all the components of really the, the understanding and appreciation of how to get to a zero trust architecture. Uh, so that's how I was selected and uh, very humbled by the opportunity to uh, lead this, this formation here. So thank you. Yes, of course. And you mentioned the DOD zero trust reference architecture. Uh, I'm curious to learn what the process has been like of assessing the Army's capabilities for alignment with that architecture. And you've completed a zero trust gap analysis of the Army's enterprise networks. What are some of the main takeaways? What that process been like? Yeah, so that's been a uh, an interesting effort uh, across the board because the, the army has a very uh, like the other services but the army has a very complex networking and security environment uh, that traverses multiple classifications we use multiple cloud vendors already so it, it is a very complex environment with numerous warfighting applications enterprise applications business applications Everything you can think of is in that environment. We have moved from a traditional on-prem type environment to more of a hybrid approach, which is a hybrid cloud environment on-prem and in the cloud. So more of a, a, a data-centric zero-trust architecture versus a, a network-centric architecture. So a lot of things that we do now, all the applications that I just mentioned, uh, our hybrid cloud resource hosting. So the resources actually reside in the cloud space uh, at cloud data centers across those vendors. Uh, but it's also gave us a, an ability to have a secure service edge for brokering access to those resources, uh, which we previously didn't have. So it's one of the unique capabilities that comes along with uh, establishing cloud uh, compute and store. It's also, uh, from an, an accessibility perspective, cloud-based, it's, it's internet accessible, uh, unified endpoint security management. So now we can have our remote users, we can have on-prem users, we can have just basically anybody access from any device, from any location, uh, be given access to those resources pending the, the validation of the user, the validation of their device, and then smartly limiting that access to that data application asset and or service. Uh, and then finally, uh, last couple points of that is really, it's an internet accessible identity provider. So we can validate credentials of individuals trying to access those data and applications. And then to tie all that together, uh, that there's different capabilities within the zero trust architecture that are going to allow us to log uh, all the data and the traffic flows to implement advanced analytics for threat detection. Uh, and then also to provide an automatic an automated response uh, if there is a threat detected, whether it be quarantining uh, or sandboxing some sort of user or device. 
So we uh, have initially completed a enterprise level zero trust gap analysis. Uh, we've learned a lot. We've learned how complex the, the Army ecosystem is, the networking and security ecosystem. Uh, but we've also learned uh, a great deal with how to implement a gap analysis methodology that we are currently using to expand into our classified environments and into our tactical spaces. So that's really our current current effort right now, using everything that we learn to identify all of our ongoing initiatives in the enterprise space. How do we how do we make a determination on how to divest or invest in specific technologies, and how do we integrate those technologies with policy and or other .milpf components, doctor and organization, material, leadership, personnel, facilities, and policy to actually achieve zero trust uh, objectives and outcomes. So it's a, it's been a quite a learning experience, a fast and accelerated learning experience, uh, but we are getting there uh, getting there very, uh, very quickly uh, and moving into tactical and classified spaces with the gap analysis now. Over. Yeah, and speaking of the gap analysis of your classified networks, could you give me an example of how the gap analysis of your enterprise networks has informed your analysis of classified networks and how the approach is different or how it's similar? Well, uh, similar and, and or different. Uh, so our our enterprise unclassified networks really touch a lot of different capabilities. For example, just the basic internet. Uh, we have a lot of applications and or users that uh, retrieve data uh, from across a, a open uh, classification environment. Uh, we have remote users reaching into uh, those data applications, assets, and services. On the classified side, not so much. Uh, it's a, a more contained environment. Uh, it's obviously not connected to the internet. <laughs> And we obviously don't have remote users reaching in. So we have a more contained environment uh, that allows us to focus uh, specifically on the, the security components of zero trust and uh, just basically validating, smartly limiting that access to that data. Yeah, and speaking of uh, security, could we talk a little bit about the Night's Watch cybersecurity plan and uh, where you're currently at with it? Yeah, so Night's Watch is really just a, a branding term for the, the overall zero trust effort in the Army. Uh, so there's not a Night's Watch cybersecurity plan. There is a Army zero trust implementation plan, and Night's Watch is just the overall the overarching term that encompasses everything zero trust. So the DOD zero trust strategy uh, defined and directed that each service provide a zero trust implementation plan uh, on or around the September 2023 timeline. Uh, we are working uh, towards that goal right now. We have a, a complete draft in place. Uh, we're, we're really at the point of maturing those gap analysis that I just spoke about. And from that, uh, that allows us to finalize our implementation plan once we really determine what we need to divest in or invest in. And then how do we tie all those technology capabilities together uh, across a larger .mil PFP uh, 
uh, spectrum to to ensure that we achieve those outcomes. Over. Yeah, and I also wanted to ask you about the joint warfighting cloud capability contract. Sure. How is it helping you to implement the zero trust model across the department? Yeah, so across the Department of Defense, uh, joint warfighting cloud capability uh, is a great initiative uh, for all the services to leverage. Uh, it's got, uh, it provides a lot of unique uh, cloud capabilities, globally accessible commercial parity, uh, access to the tactical edge, fortified security, advanced data analytics. Uh, your, your basic cloud components that you're really looking for when you get into cloud type environments. But it's also available on all the different enclaves from top secret, secret, and then on class. And it allows the services to actually choose from a variety of vendors, whether it's uh, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, or Oracle. Uh, however, the, the Army was really a leader in the cloud effort. Uh, we had stood up the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency uh, several years ago, and we have cloud contracts in place with these same vendors already. So it's really just uh, at the point of determining what the Army should do internally or and or how the Army can leverage the, the JWCC. Uh, it's a great initiative for the DOD. I think a lot of the services are going to utilize it, and they're going to utilize it uh, fairly rapidly. Uh, but at the same time, some of the services do have existing cloud contracts like the Army, uh, and we will have to figure out the, the best opportunity to continue to use internal resources, cloud resources, or uh, pivot to the JWCC in the future, if necessary. Over. Right. And you have so much to accomplish. And when it comes to zero trust, what are some of the efforts to ensure that you have a trained workforce to implement the architecture? And also, I'm curious to see how the recently released cyber workforce strategy is helping you to guide those efforts. Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, everything that uh, the Army has done, for example, the, the Army digital transformation strategy, one, one of the key objectives in there is people and partnerships, having that tech-savvy, operationally effective digital workforce that, that's partnered with a network of allies, industry, and academia. Following that, the, the Army Unified Network Plan, and that's what really the Night's Watch effort is about, ensuring that the Unified Network Plan is based on zero trust uh, principles. But within the Army Unified Network Plan, line of effort two, uh, also talks about a digitally enabled workforce. It's it's really posturing the force, developing that human capital, building the readiness, uh, improving the force design, uh, enhancing training systems. So to date, Joint Knowledge Online has developed in partnership with all the services an initial uh, zero trust curriculum uh, at the practitioner level. So that's the department's first effort on joint knowledge online. At the same time, the Cyber Center of Excellence, U.S. Army, located at Fort Gordon, Georgia, uh, they have also established zero trust uh, practitioner course within the curriculum at the institutional schoolhouse for the warrant officers, uh, some of the uh, enlisted cyber defenders, and eventually into the 
commissioned officer curriculum. So there, we have a great start uh, from a, a training perspective to teach, coach, uh, mentor, and develop a, a ZT-minded workforce with the capabilities that we have in the Zero Trust Implementation Plan. Over. Yeah, and what about the culture? I'm curious to see your thoughts in terms of where do you think the culture is at when it comes to implementing the framework? And, you know, what could potentially be done to accelerate it or... Yeah, that's another great question. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's another great question. So in addition to developing the, the formalized training practitioners course, and there will eventually be advanced courses, just having that outreach uh, with the, uh, the operational force, uh, ensuring that they understand what the, the DOD zero trust strategy is and what it is not, and how we are going to implement that across the, the Army enterprise. Uh, I think the culture is there. We have a lot of folks leaning forward uh, across the, the operational force today uh, that are actually trying to implement, solve problems, uh, determine what their gap analysis looks like at their level, and how can they better secure their environment. So we, ha we have a fantastic culture of folks working within the, the U.S. Army that are leaning forward. They're taking the time to understand what a zero trust architecture is and how to apply it. And then how can they leverage that to make it operationally effective? So very excited about that piece of it. Uh, every day I come to work, I'm getting phone calls from different organizations trying to learn about the DOD ZT strategy and what the Army's doing and how they can support that effort. So very excited about that, that component of it. Over. Yeah, and Colonel, I know I have to let you go in a second, but just one last question. You were established in October 2022. It's been, you know, a couple of months and it's such a huge undertaking to implement this framework. What are you currently focusing on? What are your priorities for this year? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, with really only being a few months into this, uh, as I mentioned, it's it's fast and furious. Uh, we are trying to accelerate the Army's ongoing initiatives to, to get to that zero trust architecture. Uh, so we're continuing to partner with the, the U.S. government entities, DOD, industry, academia. We're looking for additional opportunities to advance and accelerate uh, our solutions. Uh, but a big part of that is, is really not just getting a bunch of solutions. It's really the integration. So we're partnering with uh, the NSA team that's also working on uh, Zero Trust. Uh, we're partnering with a, a lot of uh, commercial vendors who are developing Zero Trust solutions. So we are out there seeking opportunities to learn and advance anything we can do to, to push the Army's effort forward. Uh, at the same time, I mentioned .mil PFP, uh, which is really doctrine organization, material leadership, personnel facilities, and policy. As we integrate all of these technologies, you have to overlay the .mil PFP execution enablers to make this thing successful. And you mentioned the workforce. That's just one component of it. So we have to enable, we have to coach and teach and uh, ensure that our workforce is capable, willing, and uh, aligned to what we're trying to do. Uh, we have to ensure that the right policy is in place. So we've already taken initial steps to identify what policy needs to be in place to ensure that we can effectively 
validate users' devices uh, and smartly limit that access to the, the data and applications that I spoke to. Towards the end of this year, really beginning FY24, once we start to mature our technology solutions and we start to overlay our .mil PFP execution enablers, we really need to take a look at how we're going to test uh, and evaluate that solution, our zero trust architecture. So we're currently developing a testing evaluation master plan, uh, which will break down all the, the seven pillars and the 45 capabilities from the DOD ZT strategy. And we will overlay that uh, assessment onto the, the Army's current zero trust architecture, do some sort of assessment uh, on site uh, and, and through the cloud environment to, to actually see how our zero trust architecture is achieving the directed capabilities and activities. So excited, looking forward to the, the testing evaluation component of this, uh, this journey and, and everything we've spoken to really has been a journey. Uh, it will continue to be a journey for quite some time. Uh, there's not a defined end state. It is each and every day we're continuing to improve some sort of that .mil PFP construct to better secure and defend the unified network. Over. Thank you, Colonel, for your insights, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Yes, absolutely. And thank you uh, for the opportunity and have a great day. Thank you, Anastasia. That was a fascinating conversation. Before we let our listeners go, do you have any last highlights or takeaways you want to leave them with? Yeah, actually, one thing I wanted to highlight is that the office recently completed an enterprise-level zero-trust gap analysis. And that analysis allowed the office to figure out what's missing for the successful implementation of zero-trust. And, you know, that is not just funding, but that includes resources, leadership, et cetera. And so now they're using what they've learned analyzing enterprise networks, and they're expanding that into their classified environments and tactical spaces. So yeah, that's one of the highlights of the episode. Well, thank you, Anastasia. For more cyber content, make sure that you're subscribed to CyberCast. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. But until then, I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Anastasia Opus. Thank you for listening. CyberCast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. <laughs>